This is The Spot, a BYU-Idaho radio production where we talk about what you're talking about at BYU-Idaho. Today's hosts are me, Christian Nelson, and Brianna Leal, with special guest Brian Gilbert, the Environmental Health and Safety Coordinator at BYU-Idaho. The views and opinions of this podcast are not that of BYU-Idaho radio or the university and are solely the opinions of the hosts. Uh, My name is Byron Gilbert. I'm the Environment Health and Safety Coordinator here on campus as part of the Risk Management Office. And uh, really, day-to-day, my my main responsibilities are general safety of campus, anybody who's on campus, as well as um, compliance with the different organizations. And part of my responsibilities are to help with our emergency management program that we have on campus. And um, so just kind of all things safety, really, is what I do. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show with us today. We're talking about emergency preparation for students, which can be kind of hard when they live such a transient lifestyle. And so one of the things we wanted to cover is what is the importance of being prepared for an emergency situation? Well, I think the biggest thing is the more prepared you are, anyone is, and this is why we have emergency committees and plans and things like that, you respond better. Um, I, I often like to talk about people in general in, an, in a high-stress emergency-type situation. We don't tend to make very good decisions. And, uh, and But if we've already made the decision, it sounds a lot like our young men, young women's groups, right? When we've already made the decision and decided kind of what we, if we have a plan, if we kind of know what we will do, not, not exactly, because we can't plan specifically for every situation. But if we have a general idea of, here's what supplies I have, here's, here's what I'm good at, good at, um, then, then where those decisions are already made, we don't have to make those decisions in the high stress moment and we do better. We just respond better. We make better decisions. We act better. And and we protect ourselves and those around us as well better. Yeah, absolutely. I think I like what you said at the end there that you, you're able to protect other people better or to help take care of other people, right? And that's a big part of, of prepping is like, or, be, you know, being prepared for an emergency is that like you said, if you've made that decision in your head, you're able to respond to it in a, in a way that's effective. And once you've taken care of, of yourself, you can also help other people more efficiently and you can serve others uh, in a greater capacity. Which is, right. which is a very good point yourself is, I mean, it's just like being on the airplane, you know, when you, when, when they're going through the, the, the pre-flight check, what do they tell you when the, when the mask drops, even if you have a child next to you, whose mask do you put on first? Your own, because then if, if you're protected, then you're able to, to help those around us. So that's, really, really a critical point is if I'm safe, then I can help other people. But if I'm not safe, if I become one of the victims, then I have to rely on someone else to help me. And that's where, so it's a really, really important point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I love how you compared, especially earlier when you talked about comparing your strengths and weaknesses. So if we were to be able to do that with others, so maybe those who are more able to stay calm within a more chaotic environment, we're able to stay calm within that, then they would be able to use that strength to 
help others as well. More as where some other people may be stronger at, um, maybe they're more quickly to respond, which means, especially if they are very calm in a very chaotic, chaotic environment, they would be able to help the most people as well. So it really depends on your strengths and weaknesses, how well you will be able to handle the situation. Absolutely. A really, really good example of that, you know, we hear about all the all the active shooter scenarios that are happening. Seems almost like every day, right? Um, I I don't know how much you've looked at active shooter training, but but the common phrase is "run, hide, fight." Um, and and you know if if you've thought about okay, what just what you're saying? What type of person am I? Am I the person that that could fight if I had to? And if I'm not, I know that, so I have to rely more heavily on the run and hide, which is probably the best idea anyway. Um, but knowing that beforehand, we don't have to figure that out in that really high-stress situation. So that's, that's a very, very good point. Yes, and you make a great point with that. And so I would like to ask you, what kind of resources does the school provide for emergency preparedness such as that one or any other emergency? So... <clears throat> I think the I think the biggest thing that that I think the the biggest message that I would like to share is is one the school has a plan. We have a we have an emergency operations plan. And 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 again, we can't plan for every single specific emergency, but we have a general plan that in in the emergency management circles they call it the all hazards approach. It to a certain extent doesn't matter what the emergency is we have a plan that will kick into place that talks about reporting chains and, and you know, opportunities to priority lists. And, and even in the plan, as a, as a major part of it, we have what's called a university, our university emergency committee. Specific people who know who they are will get called up and we will respond however we need to to the, to the, op, to the, to the emergency, whatever the emergency might be. So we have that in place. We we know, and and those who are on the emergency emergency committee know who they are, and and they know what they're going to be asked to do. Again, if we know beforehand, then then I don't have to try to figure out what my responsibilities are during the emergency. Yeah, and I love how you fully explain that. I was wondering if you could tell me just a general or maybe a little imaginary situation where. You could explain that plan. Well, so a really good example. We, it, I think it was, if I remember, it was 2014. Mm-hmm. We had a, I don't, I don't know how. Again, there's, there's, there's term terminology. It, it, we had, well, I don't even remember exactly. Anyway, we had a rainstorm that that came and it just sat right above campus. I mean, I live, I live a couple miles out of town. And it barely even rained. Sugar City, I don't think got any rain. I talking to people, they were at like a ward picnic type thing, and they didn't even know hardly that it was storming. But this storm sat right on top of campus. You've probably seen YouTube videos of the of the the flood. I think it was 2014. But but because it sat right on top of campus and it dumped a lot of rain for about 20 minutes, it rained hard. I it if it was I can't remember. Our insurance company, I think they estimated it to be about a 300-year storm, which I don't know if you're familiar with that. 
that doesn't mean it only happens every 300 years, but but the likelihood of it happening is about every 300 years. So, I mean, it can happen two years in a row, which would be in- incredibly bad luck, but it can, but just on average, it's kind of a way of looking at it. So it was a, it was a big storm. I mean, it was a, it was a significant storm that's just sat right on top of campus. And, and so we had buildings that were flooded. We had apartment complexes, especially the, 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 the bottom floor, you know, that you go down the steps and to go into these apartment complexes right at the, because we're built on a hill. And where does water run? It runs downhill. So we had a flood right on campus. And, uh, and, and it's, and so that's, you know, that happened. We, that, that happened. And uh, so we activated the University Emergency Committee, and we 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 you know jumped into action. We have a fair amount of resources ourselves, and and that's the whole idea be- behind a emergency action plan, is is you want to use your resources to the best you can, and then once the incident gets outside of the realm of our response, then we start asking for help from the county, from the state, from the government. You know. It just kind of moves up as as the as the situation requires. So we jumped in. We you know um, our logistics guys started getting on the phone, getting supplies here, getting cleanup companies. Um, I don't remember which ones, but anyway, some some professional cleanup companies. We got our university operations people on campus, and and it was it was really quite remarkable. Um, the very next day, we, it was like, well, you could tell a flood had happened because there was a lot of places, but we didn't have to cancel any classes except for one building in the Smith building. Um, the water got into a, 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 uh, um, a, one of the rooms where they have the main electrical panel. And uh, they weren't sure the damage that, that it potentially happened. So just... As a matter of sheer caution, we said we better we better keep this building offline until it dries out a little bit more, and we can look at the damage and see how bad it was. But we had classes the next day, except for the Smith Building, which is pretty awesome. You know, we we had the plans in place, we had the we were able to 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 respond and get things done, get outside help come in, and uh, and it was it was you know the full cleanup took quite a bit of time. It took at least a month, maybe a couple months to get everything dried out. But the essential things, we were able to get up and running and, and classes went on. And, and then the Smith building, the damage wasn't as bad as they feared. They only missed the one day, if I remember correctly, and, and things went back to normal, which is, and that's the ultimate goal of an emergency operations plan is getting back to normal operations. We might have to make some changes to how we do things, but we want to get back to to normal operations. I love that example because actually last year when there was really bad storms, not to that extent, but when there was really bad storms, especially I believe it was the summer or the spring where um, actually our apartments, our bottom apartments were starting to flood because of how bad it was. And there was other places that were flooding I was actually a part and was pretty active in the iServe group. I don't know if you've heard about this service group on campus, but we were actually helped to to help not only other apartment complexes with trying to put out the sandbags so that the water wouldn't go go into the apartments, but also there were some stores 
stores that were also running through the same problem as well. So I, I absolutely, like, I thought that was so awesome that you talked about that because honestly, I could relate to that. It happens. I mean, that's that's the thing. It happens. You you don't very often get floods on a, on the side of a hill, but but you can, and and it you know, not not very often, but it does happen here and there. And it's interesting too. You know, I don't know where those sandbags came from. Maybe they had them before as well. But that's one of the the really important principles about emergency management is once you've had an event. Okay, now we respond, we get back to normal operations. Now we go back and look at the event. What would we have done differently? What could have helped? And we make, you know, we've made several changes around campus. One, our, the Manwaring Center was probably the hardest building hit in that flood. And we made some very specific changes. There was one vent that was, that really was the main, well, one one vent was the main source of water. And then there was a couple other things, but we've gone back and we've, made changes to the to that vent and the, the there's some flashing issues in the in the, un, underneath some windows and things like that but yeah so so you learn from that and then the next time you have again the decisions already made you've got the the supplies in place and you're able to respond quickly and and better hopefully i mean that's the idea is we respond better the next time yes thank you so much for your input on that sure yeah i think you said that it happens, right? Like, um, we, the reason, part of the reason you should prepare is because even if things are unlikely, like a 300 year storm, it still can happen. And that's, that's something that we need to prepare for, even if it is unlikely. Um, and something as a student, so I saw some of the resources that the school has available website-wise. There's yeah. I Prepare. Yeah, I was going to really mention cool. that. I'm yeah. glad you brought that up. That's a great website. It's a really good, and 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 it has really good information specific for you as a student. That ways ways that you can prepare. You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna have a two-year supply of food as, as students, right? It's just not feasible. We don't have room, money, all this stuff. But but we can have a couple days worth. We can have a little backpack with some some storable goods that that'll get us through a couple days if we need to. You know, maybe a couple extra blankets, a bed. But anyway, I'm glad you mentioned the I Prepare. It's a great great source of information. Yeah, and actually, I Prepare messages are always well, not always, but every once in a while, will be sent out through the advisory every Monday yep. through email. Yes. So. If you ever need any information or want to know any information about iPrepare, just look at your emails every Monday just to see if there is a message out there. There you go. Last night when I was preparing for this for this interview, um, I got online. How easy, how hard is it to find this web page? So just if you just go to the BYU Idaho page and search emergency, it was right there. And then and then the iPrepare is there's an emergency page and iPrepare is one of the tabs. I mean it's that easy and it's very very and they they keep it updated. And you notice, I hope you've noticed, the messages that they send out are are timely to what's going on. So so they'll often send out through the iPrepare message, you know, safe travel practices right oh, before yeah. a big holiday or right at the end of the semester or right at the beginning of a new semester. Or they'll send out a winter storm, you know, message if we if we have an idea that there's potential for a big storm to be coming in. So they they're on it and they're they're they know what's going on and they try to keep updated current what's going on. 
Yeah, as soon as the big storm hit um, this winter, that's exactly when it was sent out. So yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. It's great that we have systems uh, in place like that at the school. I think it's it's super beneficial for the, for us as students. And um, really quickly, are there any like little recommendations or items that you or the school recommends students have? Because like, for example, something I always carry on me is like a flashlight. Um, and I always try to make sure like my water bottle's full. And then at home, I also have like, like you were talking about, like a backpack with some food and, and water and things that if I needed to like move, um, I could, right? Or if I needed to stay in my apartment, I could, right? And have some uh, options for warmth and whatnot. Is there anything in particular that you think is uh, very important for a, uh, a student here at BYU-Idaho to have? Well, yeah, I think, and, and, and what a great exercise. Maybe what a great opportunity as a family home evening group to sit down and, and think, okay, Worst case scenario, winter's coming. We've got to, you know, let's let's kind of talk through it. The blizzard's coming in. We know we're going to get three feet of snow. I, whatever, whatever it might be. Worst case scenario, what and and just talk about it as a group. In that worst case scenario, what am I going to need? Maybe there's some medication that you can have a little bit of extra stored, or, or ro- you have to rotate it, obviously. Um, food, shelter, space. The, the kind of the vitals of life, right? Um, do do I have a place that if my apartment is compromised? Now, typically, if your apartment's going to be compromised, the school will be involved and we'll have some sort of evacuation or another apartment. You know, that's when our university emergency committee typically, but maybe, you know, maybe not. Maybe it's a, I've got a, <laughs> we've got to fumigate the apartment for whatever reason, so I have to move out for a few days. Um, if I've got a bag that I've got some blankets and I've got some change of clothes, I've got a little bit of food, it'll just make it easier and quicker. You know, it doesn't have to be an all-out full emergency either. It can just be an inconvenience, but we can make that inconvenience not so inconvenient. I really love that idea. I think that's such a great idea to do (laughs) as an FHE. Absolutely. I would have never thought about that. Yeah, and you'll get great ideas. You'll get great ideas. And it snowballs as as you roll. It just, oh yeah. Well, what about this? And what about this? And okay, what about it? What what would you do? What would yeah? Yeah, like essentially, even as a FHE activity, creating these small little um, survival kits, which I think is a great absolutely. idea. Absolutely, absolutely. And you can find, I mean, man, Google seventy two hour kit or survival kit, and you, they're all all sorts of creative ways to do it. Really cheap. They don't have to be very expensive. And, yeah. I think that is so amazing. And then also, there was at one point, I think they were doing something or some sort of renovation. This could also be um this could also be with like some sort of maybe a fumigation or any other um situation where you would have to move out of your apartment. Actually, we were hosting our apartment complex during the summer with another apartment complex because they were making some renovations or something Mm -hmm. of that sort to their apartment complex. And so we let um, the people who were staying at that apartment complex stay on the second floor. So I think it's really important to see or even beneficial to understand what happens within those situations. So you're not panicking while... (laughs) Well, it's going to happen, so. Yeah, absolutely. 
And uh, something that's cool too that um, the school I, does the school offer any like classes on like first aid or CPR? Yes, yes. Uh, at a minimum, the third Friday of every month we offer a it's American Heart Association, and we offer a, a certification. It, and, and it's a certification course, so it's more than just even general knowledge. It's an actual certification course in first aid and CPR. And so if if anybody who's interested, we there is a cost associated, and I, I should have looked that up. I don't know. I can't remember exactly. To do both, you're probably looking about $50, $60. But, but that's a really, actually a really good deal. That um, really is. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you've ever had to do it off campus, one of those courses could be $50, $60 easily. Um, but, but it's an actual certification course. To sign up, you go to the ticket office webpage, and there's a, there used to be, I haven't been there for a while, but there used to be a first aid CPR tab right on the ticket office webpage, and, and they have all the classes that are coming up listed, and you can sign up. They won't charge you anything to sign up. Um, they'll, they'll take care of the fees at the course um, before, before they start the course. But, but yeah, CPR and first aid, two very, very valuable skills. And, and, and you'll walk away with a book and some basic tools to, to be prepared with. Yeah. I think that is so great. Thank you mm-hmm. so much for this information. Absolutely. The other thing, too, if, if again, a FHE group or you've got a, you know, a society group on campus that wants to do it just for your group, then, then you can call someone in our office and, um, and, and we can set up a time just for your group as well. We have the third Friday one is open for, for anyone associated with campus can sign up for that. But we can also s- schedule some times for more specific groups too. Yeah, that sounds great. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And really quickly before we before we let you go, thank you for being on first off. And is there anything like a central core thing that you would like to leave our audience with? I think the message that I most often share, it's a phrase you've heard before, but I love it. And, and I've already hit on it. Knowledge is power. The more I know and prepare before the emergency, the better the emergency will go. Now that doesn't mean that bad things won't happen. That's just we can't we can't change that sometimes. But but the more prepared I am with knowledge, with supplies, with whatever I feel is necessary, just you know how am I? I really like your idea of how am I going to react in a, in a specific situation. I think that's a very very valuable tool to sit down and be honest. You know, we like to think we're really brave most of the time, but but in when it really comes down to it, how am I going to react? Knowing that makes a huge difference. So so knowledge is power, and there's a lot of resources out there. A couple other resources I might mention, FEMA.gov uh, is, a, is a great website. Maybe you've looked at it already, and they have a lot of free online courses, just, you know, hours, you know, a couple hours. And they have a lot of stuff that's meant for individual homes, now, you know, I don't know if it breaks it down clear to, to college student apartment, but you can kind of consider that a home. Um, another one in the community that is really valuable, I don't know if you've heard of the CERT program, C-E-R-T, Community Emergency, Re- community emergency Response Teams. Um, we have a very active CERT, and so the idea of a CERT team is, is as a community member, what can I do in a, in a situation to... Again, aid in the response. Um, 
And my community might be my apartment complex. It might be my apartment building. It might be, you know, the block, what, whatever it is. And, and it's a really, so if you, if you search, just do a Google search of, of CERT Madison County and they have their own webpage and they have, they have classes and it's, it's a, it's a, it's a certification through FEMA. I think it's through FEMA as well. But anyway, that's a really valuable, again, me as a, a normal everyday citizen, what can I do to help in an emergency situation? Really good information. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for that insight. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. We, uh, we appreciate it. Absolutely. Yes. Happy to, it happy to come. It was great getting to know you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And getting I, to learn more about safety. I love talking about safety and emergency. It's, it's what I do, and, and uh, so I enjoy it. Always to stay it. prepared. Absolutely. So. You've been listening to The Spot, a production of BYU-Idaho Radio. Today's hosts are me, Christian Nelson. Brianna Leal. With special guest, Brian Gilbert, the Environment, Health, and Safety Coordinator at BYU-Idaho. The views and opinions of this podcast are not that of BYU-Idaho Radio or the university and are solely the opinions of the hosts. This episode was edited by Christian Nelson and Brianna Leal. Producers were the hosts with supervision by Brandon Isle. Our theme music is Finding Happiness by DJ Quads and The Perpetual Ticking of Time by Artificial Music. To listen to more episodes of The Spot, like and follow us on social media or visit the website byui.edu radio and click podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to the BYU-Idaho Radio podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And also leave a review of the show and leave a comment on what we should talk about next. Next.